Good afternoon. Welcome to the program. We've got to focus on your health today. Later this hour, we'll be talking to the newly installed endowed chair for Alzheimer's research at the SIU School of Medicine. But we start with a, a guest that I made contact with about a week or so ago. I was able to sit in on a roundtable discussion with uh, local pharmacists and other medical providers about some aspects of the Inflation Reduction Act. Senators Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth were holding that conversation. One of the attendees was Garth Reynolds. He's the executive director of the Illinois Pharmacists Association. And I uh, I was so intrigued by what I was hearing in this discussion on prescription drug costs and the challenges facing pharmacies that I asked if he would please come in and then talk to me more about it at length here. And he has done so. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Uh, let's start just with an overview. The Illinois Pharmacists Association. Who do you represent? We represent pharmacists in all practice settings throughout the state, including pharmacy technicians and student pharmacists who are coming into the field. Now, does this uh, include people who are working for the big corporate chains? Yes. Okay. Yes, we, we represent everybody from the national largest chain um, headquartered here in the state all the way down to the smallest mom-and-pop pharmacy and, and long-term care and hospital pharmacists as well. It, that's that's an interesting balancing act because it seems like the, the needs, the demands, the concerns will be very different for the folks who are working for a chain like a Walgreens or a CVS versus a mom-and-pop store still trying to make it in 2022. Right. Well, pharmacy is a very versatile uh, profession, and we have a lot of different ways that we can help interact with patients. And that does mean that we do have a lot of uh, different advocacy needs and educational needs. Um, but that's part of the challenge of our profession when we went into it, is, uh, is the challenge of the versatility to, to serve the public. Uh, I will admit that uh, when I first arrived in adulthood, I never thought I'd spend as much time at a pharmacy as I do now that I'm in my 50s and, and, uh, and those beyond. It seems like uh, every other week I'm going back to get a prescription filled or refilled or a new prescription done. So this is something that really impacts a lot of us, mm -hmm. and in particular, the, the cost of prescription drugs. Now, I, I was telling you off air, I'm very fortunate. I have an insurance plan where I almost never have to pay out of pocket for a prescription drug, right. which is great, but I'm, I'm guessing is exceedingly rare. That's probably not really the situation for most people. It's, it's not the situation for a lot of people, and unfortunately, some people are having to make harder decisions. They don't always have a five dollar copay or, or something very reasonable for their monthly uh, amount and sometimes they're having to make hard decisions about food or medicine in that week and and, and I'm glad to see we're getting reforms and more um, government um, encouragement to take a look at the situation so we can start to really pull back at some of the uh, some of the reasons why prescription health care costs are so high the, the conversation last week was focused again on this uh, recently passed and signed inflation reduction act and some of the steps that it took to try to help uh, get some of these costs under control uh, from your perspective what does that new law do and, and is it going to make an appreciable difference for most people I, I I think it will in the long haul and it'll be interesting to see how specific Specifically, CMS um, implements the, implements it through Medicare, and um, specifically looking at the, um, I think patients will be seeing immediately with the two thousand dollar out of pocket costs. Some patients who have diabetes will be looking at the thirty five dollar cap on insulin. Um, but you know, when the, the longer term is like when they talk about negotiating prices to try to lower Medicare's um, burden on some of the medications. Those will be things that will be phased in over the next uh, five six years, and we'll see a longer road on that. But they're at least starting to try to address the more out-of-pocket parts of the equation. Why are prescription drugs so expensive in so many cases? Well, we could talk all day to, to break <laughs> that down, but there are many different factors that um, that 
really impact the cost of a medication. But one of the factors that really hasn't been investigated a lot by the government is the impact from pharmacy and influence from pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs, which a lot of people don't realize, but that's the part of your insurance program that interacts between the pharmacy and your insurance company. And it's supposed to help lower your costs. But as we've seen over time, and especially as their influence has grown over the last decade, the last two decades, prescription drug prices have continued to skyrocket. I want to come back to the pharmacy benefit manager issue. It's a very important topic. But there's another thing that I I just wondered how much of an impact it is. And and we're talking, we've been talking about uh, your your big corporate chains versus mom and top type pharmacies. Mm -hmm. We know in in other settings, the the Walmarts of the world can kind of undercut mom and pop and locally owned grocery stores and things because they can do so much in bulk and they can uh, cut these favorable deals. With, uh, with with vendors and, and uh, uh, wholesale companies. Does the same thing apply in the world of pharmaceuticals? And, and do the big chains, are they able to undercut mom-and-pop pharmacies in that way? Not as much as people would think. I mean, there is some differential in volume pricing. There's always going to be a volume pricing effect no matter what industry you're talking about. But a lot of independent pharmacies or smaller, even regional um, chain stores or supermarket pharmacies actually work together in groups. They come together and contract in, um, in groups to be able to help lower their overall costs. And it also helps them with getting access to insurance programs and things like that as well. So it, th- there is still a leveraging of pricing so that not necessarily a medication you're getting at, at, at an independent pharmacy versus a big box store is, is really costing that much of a difference and should not be costing that much of a difference to a patient. Uh, are, are the mom and pops immune from the the pharmacy benefit manager problem or does that impact because I, I really heard about that first in the context of medicare and medicaid and some of the state-run programs uh, but are are these factoring into basically everybody's prescription drug yes, costs yes absolutely everybody's prescription drug costs if you if you if you're not paying cash a pharmacy benefit manager is most more than likely involved heavily in manipulating the prices and overall costing your medications to cost more over time at the detriment of the pharmacy, whether it's a big box store, and most importantly, we see the ve- with the impact, the devastating impact on independent and community pharmacies of all sizes. So why do we still have them? Is it benefiting the insurance companies? Is it benefiting the state when they deploy PBMs for, for the programs that they run? Is that why they continue to be there, even though it's not good for the pharmacy and probably not good for the consumer? Right. Well, you asked the right question. Why do we still need them? And I think that's what we need to answer. That's what the FTC is looking at now. The FTC is actually digging into the top um, six uh, PBMs. And if you look at the top three PBMs, OptumRx, CVS, Care Market, Express Scripts, they control 85% of the marketplace, commercial and government paid. And so that's a real problem when we're seeing that much of, of the um, – the control over prescription drug prices, and they have the direct impact on what the patients pay and what the insurances pay, and they are not moving the equation into the patient's favor. It's always moving to their favor and, unfortunately, to their shareholders' favor. We're talking with Garth Reynolds, Illinois Pharmacists Association, uh, and you know, I, I suppose it's understandable. If you are contracted to provide a service, you're going to try to do that in a way that benefits your bottom line, makes yourself more money, uh, assuming that the market will, will bear what you're doing. But in this case, it's not even so much what the market will bear. If you've got to have a drug to keep yourself alive or to keep yourself you know, from not being in a coma, 
you're going to have to just fork over the money for it, <laughs> even if you don't have the money. Well, and that's why I always encourage everyone, you know, as a pharmacist, always make sure it, I encourage you to please talk to your pharmacist because there's always times where sometimes cash may be cheaper or there's another alternative medication that will do the exact same thing that's at lower cost on your insurance. So please engage your pharmacist because we're the best way to help make sure that you're getting the best bang for your household dollars. This brings us into a, another area that I, I heard talked a little bit at this uh, roundtable last week. Week, just the uh, the change in technology and also the changes in our habits that came about with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing a lot less of our doctors in person. There's more telehealth. Uh, we're consulting more with uh, you know uh, professionals over the phone mm-hmm. and not having necessarily that face to face discussion. And uh, almost every day, I'm seeing things popping up on my social media and in my uh, email inbox about mail order prescriptions. Now, some of these seem kind of shady, but uh, you know it seems like that's another area where we might be kind of moving here uh, to how do we balance that you know ongoing constant consumer quest for more convenience more speed deliver it to my door I never want to have to leave the house again if I don't have to versus the need to have that direct one-on-one interaction between a patient and a pharmacist and really you really need to and I really can't uh, emphasize enough the importance of having the interaction face-to-face with it with your pharmacist and face-to-face doesn't have to be in person in person it can be over telepharmacy or telehealth now so we can utilize those same technologies with doctors with pharmacists as well plus most pharmacies offer a delivery service so there's really no benefit to using a mail order pharmacy now the PBMs will manipulate a lot of the savings by showing supposed savings for lower costs by utilizing their mail order services but they don't tell you that they're making the money on that part of it and the cost savings for using that service are not going back to the employer who's paying for that health plan and ultimately not down to the patient so again um, it's you know not only you're supporting your local community but you're also making sure that you're engaging with your healthcare provider in your own community instead of over, you know, somewhere they may be a couple states away and they don't know they don't know you from Adam. Uh, I've been pretty lucky, I guess, in my life in that the prescription drugs that I've had to use have been generally temporary for a particular condition, get through it, and and I don't have to keep using it anymore. And I haven't ever really had an issue of a medication reaction or a bad interaction between a couple of medications. How often does that happen, though, and how often does a pharmacist have to say, hey, wait a minute, you've been prescribed this, but you're also taking this, and if you take both of them together, you're going to have a problem. D- does that come up a lot? It, it does. We do. We, we see and we intervene on those interactions every day before they get to the patient. That's our job. We're the medication experts, and so we're helping to make sure what the doctor and the patient have decided is the best course of treatment. We're helping to make sure that's clinically appropriate, and we're having those discussions back with the doctor to go, hey, let's not use this medication. We can do. We we see where you're going, but let's help the patient out here. Not only will it help provide them the best health outcome, but at a lower cost. And also, pharmacies can help out with you know adherence packaging and other other types of technologies to help make sure that patients are keeping positive health outcomes at a lower cost every single month all the time. What's something the public doesn't know but needs to know about having these kinds of interactions with pharmacists? Um, uh, How could it be beneficial to them to develop more of a a personal relationship? And that's a little bit tougher. Again, if you're dealing with a a chain, it may be a different person working the counter every single time. It's not like your your neighborhood pharmacy where the same guy's always there. Uh, But what's the the benefit of being able to do that? The benefit of being able to do that is it's just like you are with your with your prescriber whether it's a physician or a nurse practitioner you build that rapport as someone who knows you 
And that that's the important thing. When you know you, when someone knows you, you know they're actually they're 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 bought in. They're going to help make sure that the medications that you're getting are going to be the best thing for you. You're not just a number. You're not just a, a, a an order to get through to the next one. And you know, and not saying that that doesn't happen at a chain level. You know, I, I I've worked in chain pharmacies myself, and I, I I had many relationships with patients and making sure that we worked real hard to make sure they got the best care possible. And that's harder and harder as we look as we start to get out of the pandemic, um, as we've asked a lot more pharmacists over the last couple of years, but we're, that relationship is still at the core of what we want to do. We, we're here to, we took oaths to help patients. Is pharmacy in any way a cyclical business when it's summertime and everybody's like, oh, I don't want to see a doctor. I'm going to go out and have fun and swim and golf and do all those things. And now we're going to be getting into a fall weather, colder weather. Are you, do you then start to see business picking back up again, or is it just constant year round? Well, it, well, unfortunately people are sick year round. Um, and, but you know, we, we always have ways that we see peaks. So, you know, as we get into the colder months, of course, antibiotics will be used more with 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 the with the colds that are around. But, you know, and traditionally, as we start this part of the year, you know, we start encouraging people to get their flu shots. And, of course, now we'll also be talking about a new COVID booster that'll have um, some of the different variants that'll be in it as well. And, and that I encourage... could be by, by the end of the year, right? Is that Absolutely. And okay. actually, we could even have them as soon as probably three weeks. Oh, wow. Um, starting to be distributed throughout the country. And it all just depends on how everything hits the FDA and CDC for final approval, but everything's being positioned here pretty quickly. So. Do you uh, have a sense as to what you think the uh, the legislative agenda is going to be for uh, the uh, the fall to a certain extent, or next spring at either the the state or the federal level? What are the what are the big things that would make life easier for pharmacists and make it better for them to help their customers? Well, for a far, for a federal level, if we could get passage of Senate Bill forty two ninety three, um, the senator Senator Duckworth talked. To, uh, referred to it last week um, and that she was in support of it. This would help bring transparency and provide a basic foundational oversight of PBMs from the federal government, which the states have been working on that for at least three decades in varying degrees. And Illinois really got into this um, in 2019, um, but we still need to be looking more because there's a lot of stuff that's being hidden from the public and that needs to be known. And the Illinois Senate started looking at that and has um, asked the Auditor General to take a look at the Illinois Medicaid program, specifically the managed Medicaid part of it, because it's having a devastating impact on sustainability of pharmacies, and we're seeing more pharmacy deserts occur if um, because of the way the program's been run. I'm assuming that's going to be a dominant issue at the state level as well, again, trying to find yes. ways to help navigate that uh, that morass and make it a little bit easier and more affordable for pharmacies? Yes, absolutely. Right. we got to keep them sustainable so we can have patient access.